1: Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 9 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We're in mourning of our good form after a terrible loss away to West Brom, but we look ahead to a huge few weeks. She played knock-a-door, Yes, this is the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. I'm Harry Robinson, and as always, I'm joined by Jack Tate. How are you today, Jack, after a a sickening defeat on
0: Sunday, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Disappointed, really disappointed. Yeah, it was a result that
1: that sort of sent us shattering back down to earth. I mean, four consecutive wins before that, and then away to West Brom. First half double booking for Juan Mata, as you say. Incredible. Never thought I'd see that. And then I think there were no chances after the 60th minute. Despite being one nil down, we're going to need like a thesaurus for some more like depressing words to describe this season, aren't we?
0: Absolutely, yeah. We've all seen that amazing stat of um, well, until recently anyway, of how long it had been since we'd scored a first half goal at Old Trafford, and it's as you said, it's becoming a bit like that again. Now we need a new way of describing how few chances we create. With 10 men, it was always going to be tough, but like, even even towards the end of the game, we just did not create anything. I believe I'm right in saying that Marshall's shot from the edge of the box in around the fourth minute was our only shot on target in the entire game.
1: Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> there were quite a few changes, presumably with an eye on the Liverpool game on Thursday. Uh, we'll discuss that later. I hope Van Gaal was resting players and not dropping players, because Morgan Snyder, Liam Memphis Depay and Guillermo Varela were all dropped or rested. Depends which way you want to look at it. Uh, Timothy Fosunmenza was replaced after his debut against Watford. Schneiderlin, Memphis, Varela, all been in fantastic form recently. So hopefully they'll play against Liverpool. Hopefully that was the reason that they weren't playing on Sunday. Do you think that decision to rest players was a, a sign of things to come, a, a sign we could slip up?
0: I'm not sure. I think it, the the team on Thursday against Liverpool will be a big indicator. As you said, if he was resting players for the Liverpool game, then I can understand it. Uh, I was particularly disappointed to see Memphis and Varela dropped. Um, because Varela more, has more than earned his place in that side. Um, he was rewarded this week with his first ever call-up to the Uruguay squad as well, um, which which is a massive boost for him. And I think he earned a spot in that team as a young player. I think he's more than capable of playing you know, Sunday and Thursday. And Memphis as well, because he's the kind of player he's lacking confidence at the moment, or at least was, and he found it tough when he did come on. I think if he'd have played the whole game, he might have been able to affect it a little bit more. I was shocked to see the team, but I guess the team that gets put out against Liverpool on Thursday will be the, in the chaos to what Van Gogh's thinking was.
1: Yeah, before we conceded, I thought it, it was slightly sensible to rest players. Memphis and Varela, maybe not, because as you mentioned, they're I think they're 21 and 22, maybe Varela's 23. I, I think maybe those two, they can definitely play Sunday and Thursday because it's the same as playing Saturday and Wednesday as some uh, senior players did uh, when we used to be in the Champions League. Glorious days, That. Marcus Rashford kept his place. I I thought I was really impressed by his work rate and movement. Um, like against Watford, also discuss that in a minute. He and Martial often swapped their roles from the lone striker to the right wing. From the right wing, uh, particularly, I thought Rashford's movement at Speedwex and a good performance, despite uh, he he was quite quiet and and ultimately didn't have a huge effect on the game.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough game for him really to be involved in. We didn't have much going forward at all. But he, yeah, he did nothing wrong. You know, he wasn't a, a performance that will grab any headlines, but made some quite good runs. We just weren't able to, to create anything from it, unfortunately, which was a big shame.
1: Um, it it terms, like we we've discussed a few particular players, but in terms of the actual performance, what did you think was the, the key problem? Was it was it the slow passing? Maybe just the lack of incisiveness? Perhaps we would have got that with Memphis.
0: I think our team is lacking a player who can win a game on his own. Um and I think it's something we've not really had since I would argue probably since the the sort of Ronaldo days really but we we could get away with it for a few years after he left because we just had so many excellent players who combined so well. And now it we it's really starting to show because we don't have that group of world-class players and we don't have that one person who can take a game by the scruff of the neck and win it. Almost single-handedly. Memphis was a player that we all hoped could, you know, obviously not to the extent that Cristiano Ronaldo did at United, but he was the kind of player that offers that sort of threat because of the type of player he is. And it's just, as much as we praised Anthony Martial, he's not the kind of player that can do that, at least not, not yet anyway. It's just not, not the way that he plays. He needs other people to be working around him. So one matter was a big loss and to some extent, until we conceded anyway, I actually thought we dealt with it okay. Not not brilliant, but okay. Um, but then the fact that there was absolutely no change in the way that we played afterwards, after they scored, it was that was the real disappointment for me and we just never looked likely to, to get in a goal. It
1: was just that everything was sort of okay, average. Everything was average, the passing was average there were a few dodgy touches which were disappointing a few just silly mistakes and even for the goal, it was just a, a lack of marking, a lack of uh, keeping on your player after you've tracked back a, 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 a good way. Defence was still a bit dodgy, but Chris Morgan returned, uh, replacing Fosemant there. I thought that was it's, it's great news to have him back. Uh, probably the only good thing out of that loss um, makes our defence look much better, although without as much possession, we, we still constantly look like conceding, which is a real problem. Um, I mentioned there about the, the team just looking average. matteo Dami and probably the the symbol of that averageness is currently at United. Um, it wasn't that he was specifically bad in terms of mistakes or anything like that, but he has looked distinctively average since losing the form he had at the start of the season. Some touches, lack of vision. He really isn't the replacement to Gary Neville that we thought he was, and Varela really does have to start over him at the moment.
0: Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. It's it, That, that for me, was the one that, that annoyed me the most. It was Damien starting over, over Varela. And as you said, he's just never been able to regain any sort of form. Um, all stemmed really from that painful day at the Emirates earlier in the season. And he's just never, never been able to recover from that. It's not even that he's particularly bad going forward or, or defensively. It's just that his all-round game at the moment is just sort of average. He does sort of for every one good thing that he, that he does, he seems to do one equally bad thing as well. And he was, um, a constant source of our own problems in, in some ways against West Brom. As you said, for most of the game anyway, really, really impressed with Chris Smalling actually. Not only his return, but he he actually played really well. He really handled Solomon Rondon, who we know is in really good form at the moment. He handled him really, really well. It was a really good battle between them two for most of the game. It was a disappointment to see him kind of lose that concentration just for one second, which ended up costing us the goal. But overall, he had a really good game.
1: Yeah, I yeah. thought he was really good. Probably the man of the match, if you can give one in, in a terrible performance. That's why matters? red card. definite sending off, wasn't it? Two stupid, stupid bookings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I found it quite funny, Louis Van Halen's interview after the game, almost saying that you can't send Maths off because he's too nice of a person. Um, But no matter how nice he is, it was two bookable offences, two rather stupid bookings, honestly. Neither of them needed to happen, um, but it was totally right and we can't have any complaints.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first one, he jumps in the way of a free kick, a professional booking, you can say, but just a ridiculous thing to do. You may as well just defend right and then the and the Second one just lunging into a tackle about three seconds late. On to the Watford game. Not a lot to talk about here. A 1-0 win. Juan Mata, captain for the day. Uh, a stark contrast to Sunday. On Wednesday against Watford, he was captain and he scored a winning goal. A beautiful free kick. Uh, inc- incredible free kick really the um, curl on it was, was great uh, things looked very positive after that game we had four consecutive wins we were level on points with City even though they had a game in hand and we were only four off Arsenal and then, and then people were thinking about whether we could keep Van Gaal for for another year or so, I mean people were sort of coming around to Van Gaal but it's all come uh, shattering down to earth again uh, and things look very down and top four very unlikely, we're not going to get it are we?
0: I, I can't see it, no. There was some hope from everyone after the Watford game because it was the sort of game that you need to win if you're going to um, get into the top four where you don't play particularly well. you give, give credit to Watford. They they played really, really well, created quite a lot actually and should have really gone ahead. Um, but if it wasn't for some, some shoddy finishing from Igaro, there was kind of a feel-good factor for the first time this season, I think. And it, it's quite amazing that we can get that back after just three or four wins It shows Shows how how far our expectations have fallen, but yeah, there was there was kind of a feel good factor, especially because it was kind of performance where well. we didn't play particularly well, but we grind, grinded out a win, and that was the most important thing. And then to have the disappointment of West Brom off the back of that, as I say it all just came shattering down to her We're just far too inconsistent to to get anywhere near the top four.
1: As I said, there isn't much to talk about, and it probably speaks volumes that I had David de Gea as our man of the match in you know, a in a win.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's not the first time this season. That that's happened, and not the first time in the last few seasons, actually.
1: And in terms of Van Gaal now, um, he he was uh, winning over some fans, as we discussed last week with that dive against Arsenal, and four consecutive wins, but now um, people have quickly gone back to wanting Van Gaal out. Uh, a bit of fickleness from a fan base, which has become slightly fickle over the last two seasons, with uh, just being desperate for, for silverware at the moment. Are you you mentioned last week that you you had been Mourinho in possibly a few months ago, but you'd realised uh, why he shouldn't come. Are you straying towards Mourinho now?
0: No. I think my my position is still that I would like to see either Van Gaal stay until the end of the season because if we get rid of him now, I'm not sure how much it will actually achieve because the Premier League season, at least, I think is pretty much over. So I'm not sure how much it would really achieve to bring in a new manager now. I would quite like to see either... Him staying on until the end of the season, or perhaps for Ryan Giggs to take over. But again, I'm not sure if that would if that would achieve very much. And then for someone else to come in in the summer, whether that is Ryan Giggs on a permanent basis, only time will tell. The way that we're playing and the results just aren't there. They aren't what the fans want. They surely aren't what the board want either. And I can't see that they they're going to retain their patience with him. Uh, also, just a quick thing, it struck struck me on. Um, on Sunday, when matter was sent off, that perhaps the red card was Mike Dean's revenge for Van Hove diving in front of him against Arsenal. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I, there, there was a rumor. I'm not sure how reliable this is, but there was a rumor that if United don't get Champions League this season, whether that's in the top four by winning the Europa League, uh, doesn't look likely at the moment that our uh, 750 million pounds of, of sponsorship possibly from Adidas could be uh, reduced due to a contracted agreement or and, and and from many other sponsors that there's this agreement that we need to have Champions League football for, for us to get the full funds from their sponsorship and I think that could force the board into making a decision because as we very well know from past decisions from the Glazer family and Edwardwood Ed it's all about money and not about the football on the pitch so I don't think any result from now until the end of the season, until top four is mathematically impossible. I don't think until then that Van Hull, uh has a chance of being sacked. Whether you like that or not is a, is a different question. I just don't think we can get Mourinho in. Um,
0: if we didn't sack Louis Van Hall after going, what was it, 12 games without a win in all competitions, and we slid from first to fifth in the Premier League in the space of a month and a half, I can't see that it's ever going to get that bad again this season. And if we didn't sack him during that period, why Why on earth would we sack him now?
1: Yeah, very true. I mean, uh, many people have said that the worst moment of our season was uh, after that two-under defeat to Stoke City on Boxing Day when Louis van All wasn't sacked. Or, or even after we lost to Norwich or Bournemouth or, uh, or Wolfsburg, the list goes on. <laughs> where Wolfsburg, where Nick Powell replaced Bastian Schweinsteiger as our <laughs> impact sub it's just tricky at the moment as you say lack of direction the style of football isn't clear to see van Aal's quickly gone from this philosophy of uh, possession football to there just doesn't seem to be a philosophy now and, and at, at the time when we were angry at the philosophy um, we didn't want there to be one we wanted there to be an attacking football one but now it seems like we just don't have uh, we don't have an identity anymore the main news this week is that Luke Shaw could return for United before the end of the season, possibly next month, according to the Daily Telegraph. Um, Wayne Rooney, another key player, could return for the game against Everton on April the 3rd. Piers Morgan, a friend of Rooney, says he was offered a nine-digit contract in the Chinese Super League. Don't think he'll leave United or, or England for one or two years. I, personally, I can't see him moving his family. Um, One of the very few football high-profile footballing families who are, are normal and settled. Uh, I can't see him moving them just away for a year just for... An extra payment, although Paul Stretford, his agent, uh, does have a big impact on him. You could see possibly a move to America, sunny, nice life, when his children are perhaps a bit older. Or in fact, uh, very soon, where where he can start them off in school in America and then bring them back. Federico Makeda, uh, debut wonder kid like Marcus Rashford, says Rashford must not get a big head. After his incredible opening two games where he scored four goals, Luis Saha, another striker who scored on his debut, praised Rashford and said he can go on to be a dangerous striker for United. Saha also said that Martial's impact to United reminds him of Ronaldo's and hopes he can go on to emulate Ronaldo at the club. It's all about strikers today. Javier Hernandez said that Sir Alex Ferguson was one of the most important people in his life. Guillermo Varela, who we've praised um, again in this episode, as we have in many before, has been called up to the Uruguayan national side for the first time, as Jack mentioned. Brilliant achievement for him, definitely deserves it. Uh, consistently excellent performances. Uh, I'm sure Uruguay have been watching that. On the subject of international call-ups, Roy Hodgson says he's been carefully monitoring Marcus Rashford, but he has been in the system of England for a number of years now, having played at youth level and obviously being a talent within the United setup. so it's not a surprise to the England setup. Adnan Yanazai scored twice, Andreas Pereira once, and Regan Pool, who made his first team debut recently, once in a 4-0 victory over Oldham for the under-21 side. They're now through to the semi-final of the Manchester Senior Cup. The under-18 side drew 3-3 with Swansea City in an incredibly dramatic game. Paul McGuinness resigned as manager after 10 consecutive defeats. The coach Tommy Martin is standing in, and results have been good so far. Goals from Tosin Kehinde. And Zach Durnley saw them take a 60th minute 2-0 lead. But the drama won't come until late on. Jordan Garrett made it 2-1 in the first half before equalising in the 80th minute. Under 16 player and substitute Aidan Barlow made it 3-2 for United late on. But Dan Jeffries for Swansea capped off an incredible game. With an 89th-minute equaliser for Swansea, in fact, that in the Under 18 Premier League, that was one of three three-all draws in the group three. This is the playoffs of the Under 18 Premier League. After United finished uh, as one of the bottom groups in the Northern Division, Jack, how have our loan players been doing over the past week?
0: James Wilson, uh, obviously on loan at Brighton and Hove Albion, had a rather disappointing day. He played 17 minutes for Brighton as they drew nil-nil with Creston. Didn't have the best of games, uh, didn't really look like much of a threat. The last few games kind of summed up his time at Brighton so far. He's been very um, hot and cold. He had a really good start to his time at Brighton, getting a couple of goals. But he's never really been able to replicate that since. And I suppose kind of indicative of what we saw of him at, at United as well. You know, obviously that brilliant start, scoring two goals while Ryan Giggs took over from David Moyes. And then he never seemed to be able to recreate that. So we'll see how he does from now until the end of the season. Nick Powell had an equally disappointing day, really, as uh, Hull lost 1-0 to Birmingham. He played 31 minutes in that game, and he really struggled when he came on, actually. He uh, he was unable to keep hold of the ball very well. He didn't present much of a threat going forward. It seems increasingly unlikely that he will be offered a new contract at Manchester United, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him either make that move to Hull permanent in the summer, or be going to another lower league team. Uh, Ashley Fletcher, on the other hand, continues to impress in his loan spell at Barnsley. He played the full ninety minutes and scored an absolutely cracking goal as well, where he went on a great solo run and calmly slotted it home from inside the box as Barnsley beat Walsall three-one. Continues, as I said, he's he's great form for Barnsley. Um, he's that's his fourth goal in, in the league so far for Barnsley, and all round he's been a really really impressive loan signing for them. Kieran O'Hara was an unused substitute uh, in the Morecambe game against Crawley Town. Tyler Blackett, who is beginning to look increasingly frozen out at Celtic, it has to be said. Um, and you have to start questioning the merit behind him actually being there anymore, unless United are looking to sell him in the summer, which wouldn't surprise me. Uh, he wasn't even in the squad as Celtic played in the Scottish Cup. Victor Valdez played the full 90 minutes as standardly Age beat Genk 2-1 in the Belgian Pro League. Made some good saves... And he's starting to get back to fitness, actually, which is good news for Victor Valdez.
1: Good. Uh, Ashley Fetcher uh, clearly having a big impact for Barnsley. He's um, he's, one of the, he's a good talent and uh, the scoring goals in League One is, is certainly impressive. Um, you'd think if he comes back and Van Gaal is still here next season, then, then he'd definitely get a chance. Big week coming up, as I mentioned in the introduction. First, on Thursday night, Liverpool and Manchester United meet for the first time ever in European competition. It's going to be incredible, isn't it? Liverpool away, Anfield. After that defeat to West Brom, the mood is down. Perhaps we can sort of lift it up again. Van Hal 9, Liverpool 2 since he came to United and he's won five in a row if you include friendlies. Initial prediction, is Jack?
0: Well, I mean, firstly, it's become almost impossible to predict any game involving Louis Van Gaal's Manchester United. Secondly, though, if you base it on previous games against Liverpool, then you have to put us as favourites because... As you said, four competitive games for Lee Van Haar against them. Four wins against two different managers. In some times where, you know, that was the one, the, when, uh, Wan Mata, the famous Wanfield performance last season. Liverpool <laughs> on the back of, what was it? A fifth, was it a 15 game unbeaten run? Something like that. They'd been on an incredible run and, and yet Van Hal still took our team there and, and, and stopped that run in its tracks. Obviously, a couple of, uh, a pretty comfortable home wins actually against them. So we'll see. I mean, it's tough because Liverpool are in pretty good form at the moment. Obviously, beat Manchester City three 0 in midweek, having lost the Capital One Cup final on penalties, and then managed to get very controversial last minute penalty against Crystal Palace at the weekend.
1: Yeah, Christian Benteke uh, won that penalty and uh, slotted it away very, very calmly. Ninety sixth minute, and he sort of strode up and uh, and uh, took a good penalty. Uh, a bit of a dodgy decision. His knee was very slightly clipped there. He was definitely looking for it there. Yeah, like us, they're very inconsistent. Like us, they've had many injuries this season. And like us, they're sort of floating around the top four, getting their hopes up in the Europa League, but probably (laughs) won't have Champions League football next season. Um, Really, the similarities between two clubs who uh, hate each other are incredible. Both such historic clubs and both in such dire positions at the moment.
0: I think over two legs, it will come down to who, who can just be the most consistent because... In one game, the, we know that these two clubs, on their day, can beat anyone in the country and can lose to anyone in the country. That is that is the scale of their inconsistency this season. And so it's, it's just going to be down to who can put together 180 minutes, maybe more if it goes to extra time and penalties, of solid football rather than just a half or one game, which they've seemingly only been able to produce so far this season.
1: Yeah, I it's... mean, we're expecting an incredible atmosphere. I mean, it might be the Europa League, but a European night at Anfield and Old Trafford, two very, very famous stadiums for their European nights. And, and, and they're playing each other in the biggest rivalry that both clubs have. Coming in, uh, perhaps our injury problems are worse. Um, uh, Rooney and Shaw are still out. Bastian Schweinsteiger still out. Valencia's has returned to training. Hopefully he won't play, to be honest. Um, hopefully Varela will play instead of Damien, who's come back from injury and, as we've mentioned, has been distinctly average. For Liverpool, Danny Ings, who United were actually linked with um, last summer on a free transfer which ended up costing Liverpool about £6 million I think in compensation he's still out with, with a knee injury um ligament knee injury Joe Gomez who I was really impressed with at the start seed for Liverpool um, he's also out with a ligament knee injury Lucas is out with a, a thigh muscle strain apart from that Liverpool um, relatively good position Daniel Sturridge is coming back Christian Benteke has got that penalty goal so he might be high on confidence um, in terms of the actual score from the first leg um, you say it's very hard to predict but uh, <laughs> stick your neck out on the line he's going to win
0: Oof. Um, I want to go for a draw I'm going to go for a 1-0 draw in the first leg I think what we should be aiming for is it, even even if we lose the first leg if if it's by one goal and we score an away goal I'll be happy if we leave there with a 2-1 defeat I'll be happy and I'm confident we can overturn that Old Trafford the away goal is really really important for us obviously as long as we don't let Liverpool get, get out of sight but
1: yeah, I think, I think a one-all draw is, is what the result is going to be. Yeah, I think an away goal is definitely vital, especially, I think when I saw that we were at home for the second leg, I was quite happy because it's not really, I mean, it's an away tie and obviously Anfield will, is a, is a, a loud ground and it'll be tough, but really we're travelling to a place we've been to about a hundred times before over the last a hundred years or so. So, it is it, not the the classical way to like going to the burnabout or, or the Allianz or or something like that. Yeah, I was happy that we were drawn second, and I think getting our away goal in the first leg, having an advantage, possibly coming back to Old Trafford where there'll be an incredible atmosphere too. I, th- I think that's key. Um, in terms of starting, obviously, as as we mentioned, we want to see Memphis and Varela starting, and we hope they're rested um, in midfield. How, how can we sort of combat Liverpool's high press? It, it, would it be Schneider and Herrera, Carrick? I thought Carrick was, wasn't great
0: against West Brom. It's going to be interesting. I'm not really sure there is an effective way of, of combating that high press for midfield. I think the most important thing is to get the ball out wide quickly, because it seems the one area where they do seem somewhat vulnerable, especially Alberto Moreno look, is particularly, um, susceptible defensively. Uh, the one, the game that I remember the most from Liverpool this season is their, quite stunning, actually, um, victory over Manchester City. Watching highlights of the game, the one thing that I noticed was that Liverpool's high press, and this was after Clock first came to the club, and it was all based on stopping Manchester City from getting the ball wide and getting the ball wide quickly. And if they, and when they did that, which they managed to do for most of the game, Manchester City had nowhere to go. They ended up having to play the ball long because Liverpool cut off all the angles. But if we can get the ball out wide quickly, and we know we have dangerous wingers, especially if Memphis Depay plays, which we hope he will... I think that is the way to combat Liverpool. I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I wonder whether uh, Marouane Fellaini will start against Liverpool. I was surprised that he didn't come on against West Brom because I thought that was the perfect situation for him uh,
1: against West Brom. You're one 0 down, and you think you think Fellaini instead of Schneider? I mean, Schneider came on before the goal was conceded, but you think Fellaini would be coming on to try and grab a winner even? If you're even if even if at the time it wasn't at all, um, and against Liverpool he's often had good performances. I remember Anfield away about two months ago now. I was there and there was a bit where it looked like Fellaini might be sent off, but actually he after that he had a very good game. And when he doesn't have to pass as much, so perhaps if we're not having as much possession away from home at Anfield, perhaps he can be a very effective player.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and so I actually wouldn't mind to see him starting, especially because. Liverpool's midfield, they have the combat, combative element to it in Emre Chan, but he can be a bit of a hothead sometimes. And we often see him charging forward without really thinking about it. So having Fellaini there, that physical presence against, it'll probably be Jordan Henderson, James Milner, the other two who kind of sit and hold. So I reckon Fellaini could maybe have some joy against Liverpool. And we know that, that Sacco is, he's very, very good on his day, but he is also quite mistake prone. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting game with two. Uh, Very different styles. Liverpool's high press and United often sitting back. And then on on, on the Sunday, we've got West Ham in the Cup. Another very big game against tough opponents who are now ahead of us in the league. We're sixth in the Premier League. They're fifth. I think they're two points ahead. And Slavon Bilic has really built on an incredibly good defensive side and turned it into a side which, obviously, they've got Dimitri Paye who, for any side, would uh, help with the attacking side of things. But overall players like Michael Antonio and stuff like that. Slavin Bilic has massively improved them as an attacking unit. So it's going to be difficult predictions for this.
0: Dependent on Thursday. If we can come away with am- from Anfield with a positive result, then I think you know it's possible to maybe go into the, the West Ham game with a bit more confidence. I am worried though because we saw against Watford how many problems a team can cause us, especially if they have any sort of element of, of swiftness to their play, whether that be pace from individual players or just quick passing. Um and, and West Ham seem to be a seem to be capable of both at the moment. You mentioned Antonio, who's in brilliant form. I see Dimitri Payet, one of the undoubtedly one of the signings of the season. It's going to be tough to combat them, so we need to find a way of of trying to neutralise their threat. I hope Morgan Schneiderlin plays because I think he will be able to cope with Payet, maybe not completely but probably better than anyone else we have. Um be a big day for Marcus Rojo as well. Um, I'm sure he didn't think that his biggest test this season if he played at left-back would be against Mikhail Antonio um, moving up from the championship in his first season but he's playing really, really well so if he does play out there and Rojo does start at left-back he needs to be on top of his game because that could be a real area where West Ham look to exploit us.
1: Yeah, I'd say will could be key. He does charge out sometimes and, and sometimes he makes rash decisions but ultimately... He breaks up the play so much and when you have the possibility of sending Dimitri Paye through or Antonio or even, even someone like D'Afro Sacco and breaking up the play is, is something you definitely have to do. We haven't done it in four years, I think. And, uh, uh, do you remember that FA Cup game? Um, Where we
0: f- got demolished, that
1: one? No, no, no. That was a League Cup about three years ago, I think, um, when Giggs played that. Oh, I think it was a, I think it was a 60-yard ball and Van Persie oh, takes oh, it down yeah, with one yeah, touch. He had, yeah, but so
0: Start... we replay,
1: yeah. Yeah, incredible that. Um, I mean, <laughs> if we have to draw and replicate that goal, I would, I would I'd be yeah. very happy with that. Um,
0: obviously there was Rooney's volley as well, and again, uh, um, Arton Park. Not that wasn't in the cup, but we scored some really good goals against West Ham down the years.
1: Oh yeah, the Rooney replication of uh, David Beckham against Wimbledon. Yeah. It comes down on the half volley, and he just levered it over the keeper. Incredible that one as well. Yes, thank you very much for listening. That's all we have time for today. We couldn't quite fit the questions in. They'll be on a separate episode, a little extra episode for you to listen to on Audio Boom, iTunes, or Acast. Thank you very much for listening to Series 1, Episode 9 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We're almost hitting double figures now, and your support has been genuinely overwhelming. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. You can find me on Twitter. At Harry Robinson64 and you can find the podcast on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. Thank you very much for listening. We've got a few big weeks ahead. Liverpool, West Ham, then Liverpool, and then I believe Manchester City. Hopefully we can perform a little better than against West Bromwich Albion. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Is she
0: imaginary? Is she
1: imaginary? Is she, uh...
0: 18 plus.